Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining me on this luscious green hillside uh, out in uh, the nether reaches of Ireland here on this fine program called Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And uh, we do come your way every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And we also are podcasting uh, there at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations that you folks are reposting us to, the interviews that we're doing. And we are on YouTube. Go to the Tell Me Your Story channel, and uh, you can watch over 125 it's currently Posted interviews. We're currently, as of this conversation, at 35,000 listens on SoundCloud and other outlets that the statistics are showing us. And uh, as I keep saying, it's been three and a half years and I'm still not sure what that number means, but I'll take it. Thank you very much. We're at 26 subscribers on YouTube, again, for what that means, but there are others that are listening. So if you'd like to go to YouTube and subscribe, we would be grateful for that. I'm not looking to gather up numbers, folks. I don't care how many likes or comments or what have you. I just hope you're listening. I just hope you're enjoying, and I'm hoping you go to our guest website that we'll be giving to you shortly to find out more about uh, who our guest is, the work that they are doing, and how they are helping to make this a better place for everyone. We also hope that you will participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we want you to go within and spend time listening to that still, small voice for encouragement, for enlightenment, for insight, for education, for that matter, about who you are. And then we also hope that if you find these programs beneficial, they resonate with you, and you'd like to be a part of what we're doing, and you'd like to support us financially, we have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours, and any amount is welcome, and we will even take energetic support as well. With all of that being said, today we're going to uh, find new ways of uh, basically living, as we have been doing for quite some time. And also, we're going to find your soul's agenda. That's right. And there's this one word that supposedly is the key, and we're going to find out what that one word is. But first, I want to welcome to our program via Zoom, uh, Annie uh, Anderson, and I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. It's uh, congratulations on all of your success with the show. So great to hear some of those numbers. If only I knew what they meant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you hear about people uh, like on Facebook, and I, I am not, folks, uh, just for various reasons. I just don't have the time to do that. But um, it's, it's, I mean, they're nice numbers. I'm, I'm appreciative of them. I just don't know of what relevance they are. I guess I'd have to get a statistician or a, a, <laughs> a, an analytics analyst to, to parse that out for me and say, nah, that's really bad. Those are really low numbers. I mean, you mean out of the 600 and some odd interviews I have up on SoundCloud, that's a terrible number? Really? Okay, fine. Well, speaking of numbers, number one is us, me, you. Uh, and we do have a soul, and we do have uh, a purpose in life, as it were. 
And what we want to do is talk a little bit about that as well as this this key word, and I'm hoping that you'll be able to give us that word here within the context of this interview, as opposed to saying, well, you know, you're going to have to go to the website, and you're going to have to go to this <laughs> link, and then you're going to have to jump through that hoop, buy this book, and so on and so forth, in order to get the answer to that question, what is that key word that helps us out? So uh, I guess the first thing that we want to talk about, of course, is is agenda a synonym for uh, purpose, life's purpose, our soul's purpose, if you will, or is that something different in this context? For some people, it is. For me, it is. The reason that I chose the word agenda was because we were just talking about this before we got on the call. It has, it's this interesting word, right, that has different connotations depending on who's talking about it. Mm -hmm. When I was finding my purpose a number of years ago, I was searching for this thing that it seemed like my purpose was out of my grasp. And when I finally started to land on the idea that I was always on purpose, um, but I wasn't really happy with my life the way that it was at the time, Richard, it kind of felt like something greater than me had an agenda that maybe I didn't know about. Like agenda is this word that I think uh, it, it connotes we have a plan. So maybe there's a plan. And maybe if, if somebody else had an agenda for us, that it's like something we should do, right? So maybe I'm on board with that. Maybe I'm not. But that word, my soul's agenda, to me, had this idea that it is my purpose. And sometimes I'm on board with this plan. And you know what? Sometimes I'm not. But it doesn't mean I'm not on purpose. Hmm. Well, we encourage people to work on and try to find their life's purpose, their soul's purpose, if you will, in this context, by going within, by listening to their intuition, by following the promptings. Uh, I remember in a program I went through, one of these uh, intensives, you know, these five-day intensives, uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And um, in, in one, of the, one of the lessons, one of the uh, that, that we were doing, having to do with uh, uh, trying to uh, uh, commit to something. And what came up for me was my intuition and what I call it my friend. All right. Mm -hmm. I just when I come when I talk with my friend, that's how I address my friend. And so I wrote down on this long piece of um, construction, white construction paper with a big, bold Sharpie. And it was funny because I wrote the first line in block letters uh, that I will listen to my friend. But then in cursive, which for some reason for me uh, was much more important, I wrote, and I will follow the promptings. Mm. I mean, what good does it do to listen if you're not going to follow the promptings? Absolutely. Absolutely. This, I think this comes up for a lot of people, Richard. Uh, I have people tell me that they're not clear. They don't know what they want in life. And when it comes down to it, they're really not, like you said, following the promptings. And when we don't follow the promptings, it starts to get mucky, the, the voices. It starts to get harder to listen. We start to doubt. I think it's really important that we get into action and, and do something with those, those promptings. Um, for sure, but not everybody does that. Some people just stop at listening. I know too that a lot of people are concerned. I had the I was challenged by that that comment, that phrase that I used, 
<clears throat> listening to and following the promptings, they said, well, how can you be sure that the voice you're listening to is one that you want to be listening to? Because we've heard too many stories of people who are now behind bars. Well, the voices told me to, to do this very destructive thing, whatever. And I'm not even going to get into descriptions, but you know what I'm talking about. Sure. So th maybe that's a good place for us to start with you, Annie, is how do we differentiate between the muck, okay, of the mind voice, or some would call it, the, the term has been used, the monkey mind, uh, and the true, genuine, some will call it the divine self, the higher self, etc., etc. How do we, are there certain questions that we can pose, ask? I, I know that from a, uh, whenever I have um, gone to people who sort of channel through them, okay, different entities, <clears throat> the question is always asked, are you of God? And, mm. and of course, if, if the answer is no, uh, thank you, bye-bye. We're disconnecting the line. Okay, we're hanging up now. Goodbye. Uh, and I'm not sure that that's necessarily uh, the, 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 but what, what would be the criterion yeah. that we would use so that we would be able to parse out those voices and say, no, I hear you, but I'm not interested, thank you, uh, kind of like a telemarketer calling. <laughs> right. There's actually a lot of different ways to answer this question, but mm -hmm. I want to be very practical with my response. Okay. So um, the, the, the teaching that I follow is that the higher self never says no. The higher self is always going to say yes. And the way that you can tell the difference is the voices in our heads oftentimes will say, don't go here or there. Don't do that. Don't call this person. Don't talk about that. And there's a don't, don't, don't. But our higher self will not say don't. Our higher self will tell us what to do rather than what not to do. So the higher self might say something like, you should really go to the grocery store today. And you might think, what, what was that about? That has no bearing on anything that I you know, was thinking about just now. But the prompting is in a you should kind of way. And I'll give you an example. I had a client that I was working with who was looking to grow her business and look for clients. And so we went within and we had her prompt her higher self and she, uh, she got the, the, she listened and got the instruction, I should go to the beach. And she said, that's ridiculous because it's not like I'm going to meet clients at the beach. And I said, well, you never know. Besides, you're not going to find out if you don't go to the beach. And so even though she thought that seemed kind of ridiculous, she went because that was what her higher self was telling her to do. And sure enough, she did actually find a client at the beach. You know, it's like, what? There they were. They, they both had their beach towels and they struck up a conversation. But she would never have met that person if she hadn't gone to the beach. Mm -hmm. So that's a, an, an example. Um, I think it's one of the easiest ways to think about that question, because like I said, it can get kind of complicated based on what what are the voices? Where are the voices coming from? Are they coming from my conditioning and my programming what I was taught when I was young and those beliefs that can continue to perpetuate? Or is it my higher self? And that that practical way of, of answering your question, I think, can really be very helpful for a lot of people. I know a lot of this doesn't seem very practical when you start talking with people, especially when it comes to business, because the bottom line is usually the bottom line. Okay. <laughs> It's usually what it is. It's not, so uh, what are you feeling today or what's going on inside and those kinds of things, your inner life. And we're not talking yeah. about your philosophical bent, okay? We're not talking about 
uh, you know, what church or synagogue or mosque do you go to? Uh, or how, how do you pray? Or who do you pray to? We're not, that's not where we're going. But still, this is, I mean, the, the term that was used back in the 80s and 90s in the circles that I was around, they would always talk about those people who refer to as, as woo-woo, you know. And right. it's like, okay, um, well, believe it or not, that's always been there. It's not woo-woo. It's part of who and what we are, isn't it? It's who who we are. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> that was a bad pun, Richard, but I, I thought you it. would appreciate I it. I <laughs> love that. Was great. That was fantastic. So when we are talking about uh, this aspect of agenda, and we are uh, trying to find out what our agenda is, uh, are there questions that we can put forth uh, to help us to be guided, or is it just better to analogy here? Put the boat in the water, uh, grab the rudder, and just be guided which way to turn the rudder and let the, let the river take us. Well, you asked me in the beginning, are we going to find that one word? And I think it, that let's go ahead and talk about the process that I use to help people find this purpose or agenda, Richard, because... The, the thing is, there's lots of different ways to find your purpose. So I hope that the folks listening find the way that works for them, whether it's this way or it's another way. Just find whatever works for you. Okay. For me, I like knowing that I'm always on purpose, no matter what's happening and no matter how I feel. And so if you don't mind, do you mind if we talk about the process a little bit? Absolutely. That's where I wanted to go with this. Uh, but let me just remind our listeners, you're listening to Tell Me Your Story. We're talking with Annie Anderson. MotivationBeyondMeasure.com is the website. We hope that you will uh, jot that down. Of course, Annie will be linked to your website as well so people can find out more. But let's uh, now let's find out about this process because, uh, you know, just because I might have one and I am sort of to the stage now where I don't necessarily have to stop and listen. I'm moving forward and I'm just, I'm being guided. I mean, I know you've probably had these experiences yourself where you have this situation you have to deal with and you, you know what you want to do, mind, want, mind. But the prompting is, no, 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 you need to do this. And it's like, no, 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 that's contrary to what I want to do. And I, I followed through on what I was being told I needed to do. Had I not done that, and this was a financial issue, things would have been so much worse. Now, yeah. I, I didn't solve the problem going in the direction of the need. Did not solve yeah. the problem. It just minimized whatever damage was going to be done. And, mm -hmm. and uh, that's the other aspect of it, too, as we get into the process is that I believe that still small voice, that inner voice is never going to put you in harm's way, but it will challenge you sometimes. Oh, I, I sometimes. was hoping you were going to say that. Exactly. <laughs> it will. I was waiting for what the next word was going to be. Challenge you. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. yeah. we're all here to evolve, right? Mm -hmm. We're all here to evolve. And so that voice prompts our evolution. I love that you said that so much. Yeah. And what you're talking about is a decision-making compass. Like how do I make decisions that are in alignment with a higher self and an alignment with my evolution? How do I do that? And you've found a way to do that, Richard. And a lot of people struggle with, with a decision-making compass for themselves so they can follow that voice. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that for uh, the soul agenda process, it helps with because it just anchors somebody in that one word that is the word for them that they can always go back to and say, I'm just going to use my word as an example. My word's alive. What will make me feel most alive right now? So if I'm really, if I can't just tap into that knowing, which a lot of people have a difficult time with, I can ask myself that specific question using my word and it never fails. It always leads me in a direction, like you were saying, to where I need to go, not necessarily to where I want to go, but mm-hmm. where I need to go to evolve. Right. All right. So step one in this process. So step one is to look back at some memories. So I like to look back at three areas of life, childhood, professional life, and personal life. And in each of those areas, pick three of the best memories. And when I say your best memories, it's really interesting to hear what people come up with because it's not always birthday parties, Richard. You know, people have put as their best memories um, divorce or death or other challenging um, circumstances. Uh, One of the people who I walked through the soul's agenda process with me as one of her personal memories she put when she lost her daughter at birth. And that was one of her best memories because it was a time when she really found her own capacity. So when you write down your memories, you have an open mind about, about them. What were really the just the the most impactful moments of your life. So three areas of life, three memories apiece, make a list. That's the first step. Okay. As when you, and when you said that of those three areas, uh, actually the first one for me that came up, it was just like, boom, there was a, uh, was a memory of a dream that I had as a child. And actually, actually it was probably closer to preteen, but nonetheless, uh, we, in the summertime, when I lived in Phoenix, when I was growing up there, when I was born and raised there, and my father would had these beautiful lush lawns in the front and the backyards. It was all Bermuda, but kept them green and mowed, and it was, was wonderful. And, of course, the pavement, the sidewalks, they were pretty, pretty white, you know, so you had that wonderful contrast. But I just remember one day, and this was in the dream, I just started pedaling. I wasn't riding a bicycle. I just started pedaling my feet, and I began to rise. I, I started to fly. Yeah. That was that memory. Uh, the second one, when you mentioned work, career, uh, I went back to my 20s in the radio station that I worked for. Now, it wasn't a specific moment in time. It was just that, that period in my career where I was just starting out and learning the things and meeting people and getting the experience and all of that. Uh, and you said the third one was a, a personal, personal, personal yeah. experience. Uh, and I would actually, uh, there are actually two of them, but, but the one that jumps out is when I went with three buddies uh, on Labor Day weekend, 1993, we went up to Woods Canyon Lake. I had helped one of the guys, he's an elder, elderly gentleman, a former professor, and he had a, a, a boat and uh, the bottom of the boat had a hole in it. So he brought it over to my house. This is prior to the trip. And we worked to recoat the fiberglass and the whole bit to seal up the leak and so I'm up there all by myself because he, the professor, had to go back down to Phoenix to Mayo Clinic for some medical tests. And the other guy hadn't arrived yet. He had to wait until he closed his bar up that afternoon. So I'm up there all by myself getting the uh, campsite all organized. And I'm going, you know, that boat is just sitting there. I'm going to put that sucker in the water and I'm going to row up and down. And it brought to mind that phrase, that question that Mitch asked of his buddies in City Slickers, the first seri- the first movie, where they're riding, and he says, "When what was your best day?" Yeah, 
I love that. That was my best day. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. What was your best day? Yeah. I love that movie and I, I for so many reasons and I love that line. Thanks for sharing your memories with me. It's so much fun to hear the different memories that come up for folks because some of them are grand, some of them are small, like chasing fireflies in the backyard. Actually, a lot of them are are like getting in the boat. Um, so it's yeah. really interesting to hear what comes up for people. So the next thing that you do is you go through that list of memories and you start to write down every word associated with how you felt in that moment. Mm -hmm. It felt this, it felt that. We're looking for either one word or short phrases, like at home would be an example of a short phrase. So you write down as many feeling words as you can um, associate with mm -hmm. those memories. Now, the next thing that people think that I'm going to say is, you see which one you say the most, and that's not actually true. What you do is you go through word by word, and you this is where you do have to use your intuition a little bit, Richard. Mm -hmm. You say, which one feels like the right word for me? And whichever one isn't the right word, you cross off. And if you just can't choose between the two, then go to another two. And you don't have to go in order. You just you know, go down the list however you want to do it. Sometimes people write the words all over a list of a piece of paper, and then they just pair them up. It doesn't matter. And you go down, 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 down until you land on one word. Now, I just have a caveat here. At some point, some people have a list, a short list, maybe three or five words, and they go, boy, I just can't let some of these go. I just can't get it down to one word. And the mm -hmm. thing that I, I tell people at this time is all of those words that you don't end up choosing are going to end up in your definition. And I'll explain that in just a second what the definition is. But it's not that you're letting them go forever. So don't hesitate here. Just take that list and whittle it down until you get to just that one word. And what I usually find is the one word is surprising usually in some way. So I said the phrase at home. A woman I was doing this process with, she made a very long list, front and back of a page. And she had a lot of repeats, empowerment five times and comfortable five times or whatever it was. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Joy. And she had written one time at home. When she did the exercise, she got down to about 10 words she just couldn't get rid of. And I looked at her list and I said to her, what do you think that one word or phrase that encapsulates all of these things is? Because I think you have something written down here that encapsulates them all. And she smiled and she said, it's at home. And it made perfect example, or it made perfect sense when, mm -hmm. she, when she came to that realization. So even if you feel like you're getting rid of some very important words, don't worry, because when we write the definition for your word, they're going to come right back. I guarantee you it happens every time. But pick that one word, because when you get one, it helps you then to make your decisions like we were talking about before. Annie Anderson is my guest here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we continue talking about uh, this whole aspect of uh, finding your soul's agenda. Um it's interesting that that she used that she came up with that one phrase at home, and again I was looking at all of those others, and uh, when I started thinking about them, those three memories I shared, actually for me the one word that came up with with uh, uh, for all three of them was powerful. I, oh, I it wasn't it wasn't a dominating kind of power, a competitive kind of power. It was a powerfulness that I had within myself that I could fly that I could do this job. I'm sitting in front of a console right now, so I'm kind of pointing at the console here. Uh, and then, of course, the, the whole thing of uh, uh, 
not only helping to, to repair the boat, but then to put it in the water and actually row back and forth. And I was actually able to dock it and get out of the water without going falling into the lake, <laughs> which is, that's a big trick. That's, uh, that's pretty powerful right there. Especially if you don't have a dock, you're just coming up to the shore. You know, yeah. that, can, that can be a little tricky. Uh, but I think that, that that's one of the aspects of all of this in terms of, of finding our own inner power, if you will. Exactly. And what you just did there was you told us about what the word power means to you, because we could ask 20 people what the word powerful means, and they're going to give us 20 different definitions. If we look in the dictionary, we're going to get a definition that's different than what you just said. And that's the thing about purpose that really, really matters to me. It is about how we want to feel, but it's also about how we want to feel and how we identify that for ourselves. We define it for ourselves. So the next step in the process is to take that one word. And what I like to do is have people either record themselves or have somebody else write it down for you while you're talking in one foul swoop stream of consciousness. Just tell me what that word means to you. And a person will just blah, tell tell you. And then what happens is after they're done, a lot of times they say, what did I say? Because it's almost like they went stream of consciousness. They have no idea. So you read it back and they say, wow, that was really incredible. That was really incredible. And sometimes we then get the dictionary out and we compare and contrast what society tells us that word means. And is it the same? And is it not? And it's never completely the same. And sometimes it's actually in opposition in some ways. I find that really, really interesting. Like, um, like powerful, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like I would be really interested to see what that, what, what's in the the dictionary for that. So that's, that's the next step that you just let us write through, right? Because Mm -hmm. these words mean something specific to us. And when we, when we identify that as an individual in our uniqueness, we're then speaking our purpose through the lens of who we are and not who anybody else thinks we should be. That is a huge one right there in terms of not what others think we should be. And I've run into a number of people who went down a path and they've come to to the crossroads in that path and they start looking back, but they start playing the victim. That, oh, this, my husband or my wife didn't let me do these things and, and go this direction because uh, I would have done this, that, or the other thing if, if they had just supported me and encouraged me. And, and I'm just sitting here going, I, I hate to be the bearer of news, okay, because it could be good, it could be bad, but I hate <laughs> to be the bearer of news here, but you're the one who made all of the choices that have put you where you are, not that person. You yeah. may have been... Uh, certainly the word could be, you may have been manipulated or coerced or whatever other uh, verb you want to use, or is that an adverb? It doesn't matter. Uh, but, uh, um, but it is always, always, always our choice. I mean, I, I, I'm in my second marriage and it will be my last, okay? Uh, because I made the commitment when I, I met my present wife that I was going to do everything in my power to make it work because I didn't want to go through that ever again. Uh, but I had to go through the first one to get to that point where I said, mm-hmm. this is the commitment I'm making, not just to her, yeah. but to myself. 
Yep. You know, exactly. I, I don't want to experience that pain again, uh, that trauma, uh, as well as that expense. You know? <laughs> it's Absolutely. No, no fun. As well as the expense. I hear you on that one. <laughs> Second marriage myself. And you, this, this is really important, Richard, and you bring up the importance of the last part of the process, actually, which is to take that word and definition. And then what you do is you come up with what the opposite feels like to you or what it looks like to you. And I just usually have, make, have people make a bulleted list of that. So my word's alive. My definition is this. And then I have a list of words that are like the opposite of that. Because the fact is life doesn't always show up the way that we want it to, but it's the, the times when life shows up in those challenges, like you were talking about earlier, that really we find out who we are and we really find out what we're meant to be, what, what we can accomplish. We find out our potential, but we can't do it without those challenges. So the, the idea around making the list of opposites is that when a person gets into those places where they feel not powerful, right? So maybe they feel disempowered or something like that. They can go, wait a minute, this is my purpose. This is my moment to find powerfulness because it must exist here somewhere. So it really, you know, you, you, um, you kind of gave away my secret, Richard, the soul's <laughs> agenda, <laughs> the soul's agenda process is a process of coming into our own empowerment because it does feel at times like we're a victim to life or other people. Yeah. But when we claim our soul's agenda, we really claim ourselves as a powerful self-leader and somebody who is never at the mercy of life. Well, I'll tell you something. There's one thing that I have found, and this is to me fascinating. Um, and I use the analogy, I'll, I'll use the analogy of a body of water. It can be that lake, whatever. There is one constant in the universe, and we've heard this phrase over and over again. It is the one constant that you, you cannot, you, it's going to happen. Uh, it's also the one constant that we are told to avoid, to stay away from, to fear, to hate, to despise, and that's change. Uh, body of water example, if you have a static, static, using a computer term between static and dynamic, if you have a static body of water, it starts, to, it sits there and it starts to get murky and algae and then the mosquitoes come and they start building their, they do whatever it is that they do to multiply their population uh, and all of this kind of stuff. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes that isn't such a terrible thing in terms of some stability in that static state, okay? But that isn't life. Life is not static. It's dynamic. It's always changing and moving. I mean, look at the universe. I was a seven-year-old sitting in mass uh, one, uh, one Sunday, and I was blinking. And for some reason, it got into my head, if I blink real fast, I can do two blinks identical. And I tried. <laughs> I tried, and I tried. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute. It doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter how fast, no matter how fast I blink, twice, no two blinks are going to be the same because, and I don't know why my mind went here, the universe is in constant motion. It's not sitting still for those two blinks and then moves on. So it's impossible to have two instances that are identical. So this whole aspect of change, which we 
you know, it's like uh, the economists, you know, when the numbers come out. And I found that it doesn't make any difference what the numbers are. The economists are never happy. So I then put the question out to them. What numbers would make you happy? We want you happy. What numbers would make you happy? Come on. Because even if they're up, oh, they're not high enough, you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this aspect of change is, is a huge bugaboo for a majority of people. And obviously in this past 18 months of the pandemic that we have gone through, um, you know, people changed. And this was what was so fascinating to me at the beginning. Uh, they were people were asked the population was asked to do three things and most everybody complied just because I don't know why. And then as time went on, they got tired of complying. And I'm going, well, why did you comply in the first place? You must yes. have thought maybe intuitively that it was a good thing that would help. I personally feel that if everybody had stayed in compliance for three months, we would have been done by August, by yeah. August. But we had resistance to change or mm -hmm. to the to the constancy of the change we were asked to be a part of. I think it went on too yeah. long. Now, that's something that's yeah. interesting. I just right. that just dawned on me, Annie, that change is inevitable. It's going to happen. But we were asked not to change for such a long time, it seems to me like there's something in our bodies, our minds, our souls, I don't know, that, that, that static existence is abhorrent to the human being. <laughs> Do you it's interesting. I, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because you're, you're right, change is the only constant, and yet... Our physiology, our bodies, the mm -hmm. way our bodies work yeah. is based on actually keeping things the same. So, for example, um, the, there's this there's a lot of different ways we could talk about this. But one one way to talk about it so it kind of makes sense is the um, the idea of accommodation. So I have a train that that we live by the train tracks that goes by our house maybe six times a day. I don't mm -hmm. really hear it anymore. I used to when we first moved here. Mm -hmm. I would hear the train all the time. And every time I would perk up and I would look around and I would wait for it or look for it or whatever. I don't even hear it anymore. I've accommodated to the fact that the train is there. And it's it's important that we accommodate to things in our body because otherwise we would be hyper aroused about everything. There are so many things coming at our senses, all of our senses in any given moment. To be able to focus, we need to put some of those things aside so that we can pay attention to what we're doing. And the, the nervous system has a beautiful way of learning what to pay attention to, what's important, that, so that we can do the things that we think are important and focusing on those things. But in order to do that, it remains constant. It remains stable unless we consciously change what we're paying attention to, or we consciously change our behavior or how we do things or how we feel. We have to consciously change those things, but the neurophysiology actually operates on the standpoint of keeping things the same, which I think is kind of the hilarious paradox, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. there really isn't anything but change. And yet our bodies are all about staying the same. That's hilarious. Well, but that's the, actually, there's another paradox there. You talk about the body staying the same and actually it doesn't. Every seven years we get a new one. 
<laughs> it's true. Okay. So <laughs> your true. body seven years ago ain't the body you got today, nor mine, uh, nor mine either. Uh, yep. So there's it's so it's it's in constant change. It's a dynamic, flowing universe, and that's one of the things though that. Uh, in spite of the fact that we love to watch waterfalls and running water down a stream, we love to watch the ocean tides roll in and roll out, we love to watch uh, things uh, out in space if we see a shooting star, we love to watch eclipses, solar and lunar, uh, because there's movement there and it's so spectacular. But boy, when it comes to our lives, forget it. Yeah, we don't, we don't like it because when something changes, there's all of this stuff stuff that's new that we have to pay attention to and that's exhausting uh-huh. also our nervous system sees new things as threat because that might mean that we then need to change and accommodate to those changes and the nervous system doesn't like that and so when new things come about or perceived new things we see them as threat and we start experiencing some level of a stress response, Yeah, which we see as bad, right? Because we're usually programmed to think that that's bad. I yeah. think people like yourself and myself understand that just because I feel a certain way or just because my, you know, my alarm bells are going off or I might feel like, Oh, this is going to be a challenge. Doesn't mean I should necessarily fight flight or, or freeze or whatever. But for the majority of people, when they start to feel stressed, that's the sign they think to stop, to just stop whatever's going on and, you know, run in the other direction, fight it or whatever. Yeah. One of the phrases that uh, I have picked up on, uh, someone shared with me the concept that I've, I've verbalized this way, become part of the process, stop trying to control the process. And I love that. So when change comes, you roll with it. I, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to when we moved here to Santa Barbara. Um, in October of 2005, uh, the newspapers interviewed the owners, the new owners of the radio station I was working for. Now, we were Air America Phoenix, very progressive, politically speaking. And uh, it, the, the station was bought by a, a conservative Christian consortium. And they said, uh, they were asked, so are you going to change the format? Because within nine months, this radio station, Air America Phoenix, uh, has basically broken even, which is unheard of in broadcasting. And it usually takes Hmm. a year to 18 months. But we did it in nine months. Hmm. Okay. Uh, They said, oh, no, we're going to leave things as they are because they're making money. And as soon as they said that, having also worked in Christian radio for 15 years, I knew they were lying. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I knew they were lying because the biblical adage that is was used over and over again was when I was at that other station, the Christian station was, do not be unequally yoked with non-believers. <laughs> so I knew they were lying and I knew that our time uh, was limited uh, in that building. I didn't know that they were going to just let everybody go. But hey, oh, from their perspective, we were non-believers. And so we're not going to be equal, unequally yoked with them. We're getting rid of them and we're going to do what we want. And that's fine. I, I have no problem with that. But don't lie. Yes, yeah. we're going to change the format because. Uh, so anyway. Uh, so uh, the thirty, the twenty eighth of um, <clears throat> the twenty eighth of uh, February, twenty sixteen, two thousand six, uh, was my last day. So the first of March, I'm cleaning out my desk and getting things in order to leave. I get a phone call from my wife, who was working at the local Scottsdale Memorial Hospital. She was working in a rather hostile work environment. No support from her staff. Very little support from her supervisors. She was in a meeting that afternoon. Calls me at two thirty, saying, "I just quit my job." 
Oh, snap. <laughs> snap is right. I'm screaming in my head. Do you know that I'm unemployed too? You know. Right. We're sitting and watching TV that evening. She comes over, sits down, and she says, I'm scared. I says, I says what do you mean? What, what's wrong? She said, well, I, I feel like we're on the edge of a precipice or a cliff. Mm, sure. And I said to her, I says, well, everything that I know from all the experiences that I've had, the books I've read, the people I've interviewed, etc., when you come to the edge of a cliff, you do two things. You <laughs> jump and you trust. And there was no fear in any of that. And the next thing I know, we planned a trip for a week to Santa Barbara. We were going to try mm -hmm. Ireland, but our little nest egg wouldn't last as long. Mm -hmm. And boom, here we are. And yeah. things, ju we just were part of that change, that process. Yep. So when we are talking about dreams, our dreams and our hopes and the desires, especially when there is change in this context, I mean, one of, one of my dreams was to move close to be by the ocean now i didn't think it was yeah. going to be santa barbara it could have been it could have been the east coast for all i knew yep. but the universe said no you're going to the pacific yeah uh, yeah yeah you got to let go of some of that stuff right you've yeah. got to like hold your intention but let go of the exactness of it mm -hmm. exactly and quite honestly it didn't matter to me as long as i was by the ocean, a big, right. giant body of water. I don't think Lake Erie would have done it for me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, wanting to do my own radio program. I even carry in my wallet a list of, I think it's five or six dreams, and some of them have actually come through. Uh, yeah. I also carry around in my wallet this tiny little check for $5 million that I printed up. Love I'm, that. I'm still waiting to cash it. I'm still you waiting. It's but, so important, Richard. Yeah. You've got, I love that you did that because the people who fall into fear, it's either one or the other choice. It's either faith or fear, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've heard people say that. Yeah. And it's true. You can't look in two directions at once. It reminds me of going down the street. You know, if you're going down the street and you don't like where you're going, you've got then turn around and look the other direction. So if you're looking in the face of fear and you don't like it, turn around and guess what's back there is faith. Um, so, you know, you really focused on and kept that faith and trust about and kept your dreams in mind. I think we always have to have an awareness that when change is afoot, the universe actually could be providing us with exactly what we need to get an even better circumstance than we have right now. Why don't we just assume that? Because it's been my experience, and it sounds like it's been your experience too, that that's true. It's true that there's actually better and more for us waiting, but we need to keep in mind our dreams so that we know what to look for. Because otherwise we're looking for what scares us rather than what we really desire. You know, you were looking for the ocean. And when mm. you went to Santa Barbara and you found it, you're like, oh, okay, I found it. Because you were actually, that's where your head was at. Mm -hmm. Well, there is another word. Speaking of words that we are, are talking about here on this program, uh, that is difficult to get across to folks. I'm not saying that I have it down, but I've got it down a lot better than I used to. And that word, in terms of what you just described, is patience. <laughs> and of course, you sit there and hear the old saying, okay, universe or God, uh, give me, pa I, I want patience and I want it now, you know. Um, and I, I try to share that with my wife with all of the wonderful dreams that she has. I mean, we want to move to Ireland. Okay, well, I'm not there now. I'm in the background, I'm there, which is great. But I want to physically live there the rest of my life. I know that's coming. 
The universe has to set it up, just like it set up the opportunity for me to move to the ocean. Yeah, yeah, And it it took me 46, what was it? Uh, Yeah, it was 46 years I lived in Phoenix. So it was 45 summers too many, but that's another story for another show. Uh, But it's it's, patience. That's a hard one for a lot of folks. I've got these dreams. I've had this dream uh, since I was 12 years old and I'm 92 (laughs) and I haven't, it hasn't come through yet. What do I do? You know, well, what's your what's your intention been and how patient have you been or have you been trying to control the process? Because the universe, I think the universe won't do anything if you are trying to control the process because you're getting in the way. As you're talking, I'm wanting to ask you what you, I don't even know how I want to phrase this question. There's this idea that patience is about waiting and there is this idea about waiting, but it's almost like waiting. Maybe it's with an intention. Maybe like you said, not just, it's not just waiting. It's like waiting with active anticipation or something like that. I was going to ask you what you had to say about that. Um, because there really is this difference, isn't there? Yeah. Well, when, when the certain, when those two elements that I mentioned, uh, in regards to the radio station and then my wife's job happened, those, uh, we, we were still working, doing our thing. Uh, but those were the two signs, if you will, that let me know as we were doing our day to day, oh, here's our opportunity. Now yeah. we, I mean, we could have stayed in Phoenix, could have, yeah. Would have been awful because every summer, I mean, on our the day of our conversation, you and my conversation, they're expecting 119 degrees in the shade. Holy. I was I was I was celebrating my 30th birthday on the hottest day of the year in Phoenix. It was 122 in the shade. I was bicycling to and from work that day, and then hitting the old punching bag, uh, hitting the old punching bag uh, on. Um, uh, in in what's called an Arizona room that's built off of a, a, a off of a uh, mobile home, no air conditioning in it at all, and I didn't know how hot it was. Huh. So it had to be 140 in that room, as I'm yeah. doing the little wow. little punching, you know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, but we have to stay in motion in order right. for the universe to prepare. My wife waited 15 years to get a new greenhouse where we live now. We had to leave the one in Phoenix, uh, mm-hmm. in Phoenix, uh, mm-hmm. for various reasons. And she's been wanting one for the longest time. She actually likes this one better than the one back in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, and, and, and just different things. And, of course, I'm constantly telling her, look, you need to be patient. Keep doing, your, keep doing what you're doing. Yep. And be expectant, but don't. I, I don't know how to don't put pressure on the universe. It doesn't need it. It, 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 you know, and you need to, in other words, put it out there and let it go. Yep. And stay in motion and stay in and, motion and, mm-hmm. and stay in motion. Yeah. I think that really puts the universal principles into play for you when you are patient and stay in motion because you're putting energy out there, which means that energy must come back to you. But that patience where we just sit in a room and wait, no, 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 we're no. not in the flow. I don't remember the quote exactly that your friend said, but I loved it so much about putting ourselves into the flow. Oh yeah. Um, right. But be, if you're, if we just wait, if we just don't act, we're not in the flow. Yeah. Be a part of the process. Don't try to control the process. Yeah. There it is. Be a part of the process. Yeah. There's an analogy that I came up with 
with uh, uh, there are these uh, there are these two rooms connected by a door. In one room is a chair, and you are sitting in the chair. In the other room is your dream. Now, you want your dream to come true, and you are praying to God. I got this analogy when I was working at that station. <laughs> you are praying to God to give you what, you what your heart's desire is. Well, the, the only problem is he ain't going to float you up out of that chair, open the door, and float you through the doorway to your dream. It isn't going to happen. You have to get exactly. up out of that chair with personal motivation, reach yep. for that doorknob, turn it, open the door, and walk through that doorway. Exactly. Have you heard the joke with the uh, boat? Um, oh, yes, where... about the guy who drowned after a myriad of things I came his way. I love that, right? It's, yeah, God, please save me. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, your your analogy is is a perfect one. And it's one, I think, that makes sense when we hear it. And people say, well, how do I practically do that? And I think it goes back kind of to the beginning of our conversation. Mm -hmm. You've got to make inspired decisions. Yes. You've got to keep making inspired decisions that keep putting you in the way of, of the influence of your higher self that puts you in the way or the flow of life, you know, mm -hmm. um, but you've, but you've got to make inspired decisions and take action on them. I have in my book choices, seven, uh, five steps for life. Uh, the first step is to make a choice. <laughs> However, one of the biggest challenges in doing so is knowing what choice to make, especially if you don't know what choices there are available to you. If all mm. you have ever seen and tasted were chocolate and vanilla, and all of the sudden you say, well, why don't you, you're asked to choose something else. Yeah. What are you going to choose? Because all you know is chocolate and vanilla. And you could mix the two together. All right. That's certainly a possibility. Until you're exposed to other choices, you can't choose them. And that's why I am such a firm advocate and believer in education and not necessarily formal education. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely, Richard. I mean, you've, you've got to go out and taste life, right? You've yeah. got to go out and see different things and try new things. You don't have everything happens after an awareness. Every single thing happens after an awareness. Yeah. And uh, if you don't go out and try or taste just, and just get involved in life, you don't, you don't know. I've seen that in every, um, every new step along my path. Like, you know, before I wrote my book, I didn't know what it was like to write a book. I had to talk to people. I had to ask questions. You can't just think about it. You need to actually be with other people who have done the things that you want to do, try things and get in, get in there, get in the ring. You know, it's like Bernie Brown says, get, get in the ring. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan here with Annie Anderson. And we're talking about uh, your dreams, your choices, your motivation. We're going to talk a little more about that and motivation beyond measure.com. Uh, how do you go beyond that? I mean, certainly, I don't, I don't even know how to measure motivation, let alone, <laughs> let alone go beyond, uh, beyond measure. Um, I mean, I've got a 25-foot uh, tape measure. Okay, so I can go beyond that at 25 feet, one inch. I'm now beyond that. Uh, we actually have a measurement for measuring full 
spectrum motivation. Okay. So the, the name is actually a little funny pun because um, we can measure <laughs> motivation with our company. Oh, wow. Um, but we don't like to stop there. Don't stop with an assessment, you know, don't yeah. stop with just the information. Go beyond the, the measures go beyond what you think you can do into the things that you don't think are even possible. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit about the, the name of the company. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I took a, an aptitude test at the age of 19. Uh, I think I was waiting to start my first semester in junior college. And I took this test. And uh, again, here I am with you and we're chatting away and I'm doing the things I've been doing now for over 40 years. And the aptitude test basically said that I should be a farmer. Okay. Now I, you might be good with farming, but that's funny. <laughs> I, I laughed at it myself and I still do to this day. However, I love working in the dirt, playing with huh. doing the things around. See, we live up in the wilderness area above Santa Barbara. And uh -huh. so where we're living, we've got to maintain the property, you know, like during fire season, cut down all of the, the weeds and everything to get rid of ladder yeah. fields and this kind of stuff. But now with my wife's greenhouse, I am assisting her at her beckoning, not at my insisting <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, doing certain things, the certain things that maybe are too heavy for her, what have you. Um, you know, and those types of things, trimming up the trees a little bit, just, you know, for beautification and this and that and the other thing. I, and I just love being outside. I really, yeah. really do. I love being out in nature. We have, we have a, a pack of deer. I don't think that's the right name for a pack, a group. <laughs> Nonetheless, I, I like that better than a murder of crows. Let me put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, we've got some males. One of them's got to be two years old. It's got those those new the the, the stubs uh, on its way to a nice horn set of set of antlers. Uh, some females as well, and we've had them on the property for years. And the family is growing, and it's great to see them. We've got quail, and we've got little rabbits, and we've got this and that. And our <laughs> dog goes nuts seeing them up on the porch, barking at them like yeah. crazy. We have five cats, four chickens, and of course our dog. <laughs> You sound like a farmer. <laughs> there you go. Hello. Okay, so I've, I've now fulfilled the aptitude test. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I love it, but I also love doing this as well uh, and, and cultivating these conversations and, and uh, um, uh, shall we say, picking the fruits and vegetables of, of wisdom and, and, and understanding and so forth. One of the other aspects of, of what you talk about, and I, I, I was reading this just a little while ago, and I thought this was interesting, um, because it seems like really stress and motivation are actually nearly the same in the nervous system. Yeah. Uh, it's like, wow, I, I okay, explain yeah. that. Explain it to me, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Stress and motivation actually act the same in the nervous system, but wow. there's one, um, there's one key difference that flips the switch and it's social engagement. Ah, yeah. Social engagement. So if I'm in a community where people are like, yeah, awesome, then I'm going to feel motivated. And if I'm in a community, if I'm not in community or I'm not getting social engagement with the activities I want to pursue or, you know, that kind of thing, then it, it uh, feels like stress. Hmm. It's it's yeah. fascinating. That's the switch is social engagement. So for, for anybody who works with people, and a lot of people work with people in different capacities, if you have people who are stressed around you, one of the easiest things to do is actually smile. 
Mm-hmm. Like you don't even have to say much that's different. If you just smile, then somebody, the nervous system cues in that there's actually social engagement there and people will start to feel more moved um, towards uh, productivity or health or whatever, rather than stymied by stress. Well, here's something interesting then. We know what it is to be overstressed, to have too much stress. And then, of course, the body starts to react to all of that stress in a myriad of different ways. Yeah. Is it possible to be overly motivated? Overmotivated? Overmotivated. I think that, yeah, I think we can look at people who are like a high performer kind of people who still burn out. You know, um, it's really kind of interesting to look at people who just go to go too much, let's say, because the natural rhythm of life is the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, the night and the day, the summer and the winter, you know, it's the in breath and the out breath. And so um, sustainable motivation would be that I'm motivated actually towards health. I'm motivated to slow down when it's appropriate for me. I'm motivated to rest when it's appropriate. So motivation, as we think of it in terms of hype, 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 go, 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 doesn't necessarily need to be the way that we think about motivation. I like to think about motivation as a reason for moving. So sometimes my reason for moving is going to be that I'm tired and I'm moving towards bed or I need it. I want a day off and I'm moving towards rest, you know, but um, it's, it's a dynamic, just like you were saying in the beginning of the conversation, it's a dynamic flow. So the, the motive, the idea of motivation, that's just about succeeding and just about going up and just about energy, 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 isn't a, a sustainable Um, way to think about motivation. And when we pair that with our ideas of stress, we can see how it's basically the same and we can burn out in either direction. Obviously, uh, some of the root words in that uh, the word motivation move to move forward, but also to um, what's your motive for (laughs) your dream? What's the reason why you're doing it? We were watching. Yeah, we were watching this one program and that question kind of came up for one of the characters, you know, uh, and and basically, uh, I'm, and now I'm trying to rummage through my memory to, to, to pull that up. But um, it, it's like he said, well, I'm doing this for for you. You know, I'm doing this for you. And she didn't want to have anything to do with that. No, 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 no. And it wasn't that she didn't feel moved and appreciative. But from her perspective, that wasn't sufficient uh, motivation, if you will, for him to carry out whatever the task was that he was going to carry out that I don't know. I can't remember if it was going to cost him his life or a limb or, or a relationship or what. Uh, But that seems to me to be a a very important. It's one thing to get to be motivated, but what is your motive? Exactly. When we talk to leaders, we ask, have you asked that person what they really want? And Mm. the, the answer almost all the time is no. So, you know, when most of the time when people reach out to us, it's because they want to motivate people. They want to motivate someone else. And usually when people want to motivate somebody else, it's because they want that person to do what they want them to do. Mm. Right? Yeah. But did we ever say, what's your motive? What do you want? Because Mm. there's always an opportunity to create win-win-win solutions. But we actually need to be, like you said, in the flow, right? Rather than trying to control. Yeah. It's, it goes back to the same exact thing. We actually need to care enough to ask, what, yeah. what is your motive? 
What's well, your why? <laughs> I want to motivate, okay? I want to motivate somebody, okay? <laughs> For those not watching on YouTube, you have no idea what I just did. You're going to have to go to YouTube and watch. Um, <laughs> I was raving around about a four-inch blade. Uh, no, I want to motivate people. But I want to motivate people to, to find their life's purpose and to do what it is that they desire to do. I mean, even from a biblical standpoint, you know, that God is going to give us our hearts, our hearts desire, not our minds. I want, I want, I want, but our hearts I need. One of the, the fascinating things with uh, some of the programs that, that were on this Christian station were prayer programs, live call-in prayer programs. And what I found was that when people called in for their healing, year after year, it was the same people. And it finally huh. dawned on me, they weren't in, even if they did have the condition they were calling about, they, right. were, they weren't looking for healing. Yeah. They were looking yep. for connection, community. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. We see that in the healthcare system all the time, don't we? Yeah. Um, I'm on this committee that's uh, reimagining healthcare. And as we talk about it and bringing humanness back to healthcare, I mean, that's so often what everybody kind of says they want <laughs> connection, but the systems aren't necessarily set up for it right now. But no. that's what heals, isn't it? It's connection. It's connection. And that's what we want to do in terms of. Uh, the, the, in terms of, of helping people, motivating people, if you will. Okay. Uh, and, and I think that's the, that's the, uh, that's the process that we want to get involved in, in terms of motivating people, not to motivate them as you, you described when you get people who want to motivate people, it's because they want them to do what they want them to do. You know, person A wants person B to do this, uh, parents, uh, and I'm finding more and more parents uh, as their children go through high school and head towards college, fewer and fewer of them are pressuring them to go into a particular field. Uh, my parents in particular, uh, I didn't go to university. I don't have a four-year degree or, or bachelor's or anything like that. I went to junior college for a whopping three semesters. I'm sure they've expired the 65 credits that I accumulated back <laughs> in 79, 80, uh, but that's okay. I feel as though I have my PhD after the number of people I've interviewed and the subjects that we've talked about. I've got my PhD, and yeah, I'll that. call it in eclectic studies, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, and my motivation is to continue doing that because, first of all, I love learning. I love yep. hearing these different stories, and I've even had wonderful opportunities of getting... Uh, and, and this is in a good way, getting my comeuppance, where I'm chatting away and I'm sharing with the, the guest my idea. And the guest came back. One of my guests actually did come back and they said, well, well that's an interesting perspective, but let me share, you, share mine. And he mm. shared his. And I listened and I thought about it for a couple of seconds. And I said, well, there goes another one of my straw, straw huts up in flames. <laughs> and I don't mind setting them all ablaze. Because uh, I was taught very early on, 21, thinking I knew so much, and I was told by someone, you do realize, Richard, that it is better to begin in doubt, begin in doubt and end in certainty than to begin mm. in certainty and end in doubt. Mm. Mm, that's a great quote, isn't it? Do you find that people who want to motivate others sometimes have got to sort of step down their egos just a little bit because 
they think they know how it should be done. And I'm, I'm going to guess that you're still learning some of the best ways to motivate people because people yeah. are individuals. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we definitely deal with that. I mean, uh, the folks who can't come at our work with an open mind don't get results. They're really the only people that won't get results because mm. if you want to stick to only what you know, um, you're not, just not going to get it. Every, like you said, everybody is unique. A lot of the people who use our services are ex experts, quote unquote, in some capacity. They have their education. They have their ABC stoop um, after their name. People, you know, like myself. And um, the, the expert status isn't going to get you everywhere you want to go. It's not going to get your highest potential. You've got to step back from being the expert and really come at things with an open mind. And whether you want to use the word humble yourself, I really like to use the word curiosity or experimentation, because for me, that sounds like fun. It sounds like fun to see everything as an experiment and be curious about people. Um, but that's exactly how you, you learn. It's one of our taglines is um, it's not the carrot or the stick. It's what makes people tick. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that's, what's actually interesting is what, what makes you tick Richard and learning about you. And I would, again, like, you know, somebody to feel like that about myself, that's what really puts us in connection with each other is learning about each other. Well, and, and that's a real key uh, in, in, in that regard, because, that is what we are encouraging people to do with spending time going within during the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, because the more you know about you, the more you're going to know about other people. And we know, in spite of the fact that Annie spends 24-7, uh, 365 with Annie, uh, and Richard spends 24-7, 365 with Richard, um, in many instances, we know very, we, we think we probably know more about other people and we need to know more about us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so many great quotes about that. Um, right. The, the true wisdom lies with the wisdom of ourselves. Yeah. It's incredible. It is motivationbeyondmeasure.com. That is the website. We're talking about that aspect of finding your soul's agenda. And I know that we have spoken a plethora of words. There's another one. Another good one. <laughs> That's a good one. I like plethora. What, um, uh, and, 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 and uh, of course, this program is voluminous with many words you can find in the dictionary. <laughs> but <laughs> I think I'll stop there while I'm ahead. What is the one word that you talk about, and you've, I know you've mentioned it, but putting it, now we're going to put it in, I'm not going to do air quotes, I'm going to keep my hands down, but <laughs> <laughs> what is the one word? Is it motivation? What is it that we want to put into our minds and into our souls, so to speak, that will continue to propel us forward towards our life's agenda, our soul's agenda? It's our own word. And it, there you go. Folks. It has to be your own word. See how tricky that is? See how tricky that is? And it's not really that tricky. I like that. Come up with those three memories. Childhood, workplace, relationship. And then go through and describe each one of those in a single word or phrase. And if I'm remembering correctly, then what you do is you take all of those words from all three categories, and then you start looking at the uh, how many times the word is duplicated, and then maybe a one word or phrase that describes 
all of those words. And like your example that you shared with us, at home. And what a wonderful place to be in terms of feeling at home. And I did have that experience, speaking of my career. I went from one radio station that was a hostile work environment where when I was hired, I was like the general manager's best friend. But within a month, it was as if I had just killed his best friend. And when I left that station, I was laid off and given a rather generous severance package. And in broadcasting, you don't get severance packages. So it told me they knew they were doing the wrong thing. They were trying trying to make good by it. Um, I appreciated it, but nonetheless. But the next station I went to work for, it was like absolute opposite. It was like a family, and they they embraced me with open arms. And it was one of the best experiences that I ever had. I went through transitions where the station was sold, and then we moved the station, and we did this and that and the other thing. That was the same station uh, and uh, what have you. That also was sold to a Christian consortium that led me to be in Santa Barbara. Yep, (laughs) right. So being at home, especially in the workplace, man, that is a great experience, and I'm hoping that people, uh, that all people can find that. There's another element I wanted to touch on before we wrap this up, and I know we're running short on time here, but I wanted to ask you about this aspect of creating, um, maybe in terms of tapping into these memories that we, we've been talking about to find the word, your word, that, that motivates you as, you, as it were. Um, in terms of your intention to create certain environments, like uh, going from what I did, going from a very hostile work environment to a very family-oriented work environment, um, that I almost I almost couldn't believe it. But it's it, that's a phrase that we also need to get rid of. I can't believe it, and yet it just happened. How can you not believe it's right in front of it's you? It happened. There, yeah, yeah, it's happening. Yeah. And so it's like we got to change that to. <gasps> I believe it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, what do you say instead? Yeah. Yay! <laughs> but in terms of in terms of creating those environments that that help us to flourish and yeah. thrive. Yeah, I mean we need to use our imagination, right? We need to use our imagination and then Richard, I think really what it comes down to is when I start to talk to people, it's not that they don't know what they want. Now, sometimes people tell me that they don't and I can help them to figure that out pretty quickly, but by asking them what they don't like. Um, but really, Richard, the thing is, what you want starts to take shape. And the idea is not to resist it. Aha. Okay. Don't, don't resist it. Don't resist it. <laughs> we, got, we, ha- we have enough resistance as it is to a lot of things. We do. We do. We have so much resistance to life. And, um, you know, there's research that says that we are programmed with a certain level of happiness. And if we don't work consciously to expand that level of happiness, we'll just stay there throughout our lives. We'll basically get whatever level of happiness that our parents had, and then we will stay at that level of happiness unless we consciously choose to raise our level of happiness. But we have to, we have to put ourselves into a place where we're allowing more and more. Um, it never fails to amaze me when I talk to people that their, their life is actually better than they're able to realize. You think that's, that's pretty, uh, I, I, want, I don't want to, I hate to say normal, but do you think that is common. pretty normal or common? Is that pretty common amongst I think, most yes. people? 
I think it's very common amongst most people. I would say probably about, you know, 95% of the population. Um, it's a rare thing to meet somebody who can really um, recognize gratitude is the word that's coming to mind. I don't know, Richard, but it's like really kind of be more accurate in their perceptions about how lovely their life is. And, and I don't say that flippantly, um, especially with the privileged status that I have as a cisgendered white um, straight female in the society. You know, I know that a lot of people go through a lot of very difficult things. Um, and I do believe that there are opportunities for all of us when we open our perceptions. And sometimes those opportunities um, are about um, you know, not resisting welcoming other people and welcoming uh, everybody into our spheres of influence. But I think there's always opportunities for all of us to have more. And like I said before, in win-win-win scenarios, I think that we always have the opportunity to create win-win-win scenarios, but we really need to be looking for them. That's where true happiness and, and abundance lies in those win-win-win scenarios. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I find it interesting as I was, uh, I, I, I just, I was tuning in here and there uh, to, to what was going on um, and, and uh, in, in, in terms of this, this meeting between two leaders of two world powers, obviously ours uh, uh, being the president and uh, Russia's uh, uh, president, I guess he's the president there. And one of the things that was uh, blasted across the bottom of the screen, and I thought it was rather interesting, and it was a quote from our president. And basically he, is, he, he was saying, uh, we are not against Russia. We are for America, but not in the context of the last four years. Uh, this, is an, this is not a battle between two rivals. That yeah. is not what he's trying to do. He's, they're, they're trying to find some, so to speak, a level playing field where, you know, and, and I don't know, maybe we have to do the whole trust and verify or verify and trust or whatever. I don't know. All I know is that Greg Braden has shared on this program so many times when he's been here with us that the studies that have been done uh, when it comes to cooperation yeah. versus competition yeah. and what it what cooperation and collaboration foster not only in the group but in the individuals yeah. is so much greater than anything that have could have been created through the competitive aspect mm -hmm. yeah exactly it's like a multiplication problem instead of an addition problem yeah exactly yeah. Uh, so uh, and, and that's one of the things that I have adhered to. I, you know, you were talking about uh, your your position as a, uh, a white female, straight white female. Uh, and I started thinking back to the people that I've hired over the years. And I wanted to hire mostly females anyway, because they got what we were doing for the most part. Mm -hmm. And I've and, and uh, matter of fact, I don't think I hired any, and I know that I hired at least three females in my 15 years that I was working at this station, and all three of them were of color. Not that that mattered to me then, nor does it matter to me now. I just, I wanted the, the diversity of voices that we could tap into, because it was all male. It's really, it's true, isn't it? I mean, I love the, that you said the diversity of voices, and it brings me back to the idea of ice cream flavors. Ah, yes. 
right? Yeah. Because we don't know what's available to us until we start talking to people. Exactly. I was just talking to somebody who works in the prison system the other day. She's a graduate of one of our certification programs. And she was doing an interview with me where we were talking about some of the progress she's made in the Vermont prison system. And she said, um, I've stopped saying that the prisons, prison system is broken. And I encourage anybody who's incarcerated with us to stop saying that the system is broken because um, as soon as we start talking about those lines, then we're going to keep perpetuating that idea. And it, mm. it reminds me of what you were saying with the president, you know, we're at war with Russia. Like, mm-hmm. why, why don't we start talking in the direction where we really want to be yeah. um, to help ourselves to get there? And this isn't about, you know, when he said that it, it wasn't about isolationism, you know, and nationalism. Uh, not in the not in the sense that uh, America first. Why why does America have to be first? <laughs> I've never understood that. You know, yeah. where where are we racing to? Where's the finish okay. line in terms of being first? By yeah. the way, there was a survey that was done not too long ago. I found this funny. Uh, ties into this a little bit. Uh, there was a survey done of people who would stand in line, and they were asked the question. What is your favorite spot to be in, in line? Now, most people might say at the front of the line, like, you know, being served by the bank teller or the the ice cream parlor, whatever, getting your ice cream, right? Do you know what the position was? No. Next. 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 That's hilarious. Yeah. So I'm sitting here thinking... You know, they, you know how they do the rankings of all kinds of different categories of, of, of countries globally, whether it's education or economy yeah, or religion, yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times, or they'll do it by states and California falls first or last, or the United States is first, middle or last. Or, you know, when it comes to education, we're 59th amongst the, the rest of the world and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, all right, well, we all know, you would admit this, Annie, there's always room for improvement. That is true. Yeah. That is always yeah. true. Always. Always. Yeah. Doesn't mean that where you are at that moment is terrible. That's what I've often said on this program about how, um, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to change the world. We're looking for those new ways of living. It does, uh, it, you know, it doesn't mean that where we are is an awful, terrible, horrible, icky place. We got to get out of here. No, 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 no. We embrace and are grateful for where we are. And now what, what how can we make it better for everybody? Exactly. That's right on. I get that. That statistic is just, it's, it's funny. It's, it's really funny. It is because Next. there, uh, and I will bet you there's some psychological thing going on, the biochemical stuff going on. Yeah. Oh boy. As soon as that person's done, or there, maybe yeah. there are five people up there. As soon as one of them, I get to go and get my, yeah. get my ice cream or I get to get my check cashed or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's being next to be taken care of, to be served. How about, how about being present? (laughs) There you go. There you go. I like that. CEO of Motivation Beyond Measure, Annie Anderson is my guest and we are, wow. I mean, it's just amazing. Motivationbeyondmeasure.com is the website and it's really been a wonderful conversation. I tell you what, I... I hate to, ha- to bring it to an end because there's so many other things we certainly could talk about, but I know we've, we've really not only touched upon, on motivation, but also on the issue of change 
and uh, that it's inevitable. Change is inevitable. It's going to happen. It's just the way this universe has been designed. That's all there is to it, okay? Um, and even if, I, I, matter of fact, this image just came to mind, even if I had all of the provisions available to stay alive and I was in a suit and I was floating out in outer space, okay? And, and even though things are going to be so far away from me, eventually I'm going to run into something. And that's going to change things. Yeah, because what's going to happen next, Richard? You betcha. And my <laughs> view is going to change. It'll be slow, but it's going to change. Um, so we need to, and I, I, and I, I, do, I produce this other program called Skyview with a good friend of mine out of mm -hmm. Arizona. And we talk about the things you can see in the sky and so forth. And and um, he talks about the, the poles and the latitudes and the longitudes and, and how uh, one of the, one of the I think it's, uh, is it Venus or Mercury, it spins, now he says spins counterclockwise. Okay. Which means that the Earth spins supposedly clockwise. But okay. that all depends upon your perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they say that it's the North Pole and the South Pole. Okay. But... How do you know that they aren't reversed? I mean, who's to say? I mean, there is no such thing as up in space. All, everything's perspective, isn't it? It is. And I find that so fascinating when we use those terms. As a matter of fact, someone even said, uh, made the comment, well, uh, let's, let's look as you're looking uh, to the sky. You're looking upwards, right? You know? Uh, and the moon is up there. No, it's not. It's out there there yeah and again it's it's just so fascinating people say well but the moon doesn't spin ah but it does <laughs> but because if you were looking at the earth and the moon from above them okay uh, from from a perspective where you see both of them and you see the orbit of the moon the moon is spinning it's just that it's spinning in the rotation with the earth mm -hmm. you know so again it's all so i i just find all of these kinds of things very interesting, and I have a feeling that motivating people uh, beyond measure, uh, it takes a different perspective. We use the analogy of a circle and the points yeah. on a circle and an event yeah. going on in the circle. And we want to move around as many points on that circle as we can mm -hmm. to get the biggest and broadest perspective that we possibly can yeah. uh, to share with others. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we need a new concept of motivation, not just that motivating people is getting up on a stage and going rah, rah. And it's yeah. not about having followers. And it's not that some people are motivated and some people aren't. Everybody is moved yeah. by something and yeah. we are all in motion. So when we come from a different um, perspective of motivation, we can actually make a difference in a greater number of people's lives. Yeah, don't follow me. I'm looking for the leader myself. <laughs> <laughs> Annie, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Uh, this has been a, a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this and learned an awful lot in that regard as well. And and I hope we can have you back again to talk more about the work that your company is doing. Motivation Beyond Measure, motivationbeyondmeasure.com is the website, MBM. Uh, is the acronym. Ain't that fun? You can get a hold of her. Uh, she's you're, you're in uh, Willsboro, New York, right? I'm up in New York by Canada. 
By so Can- I'm not down there in the city. I'm, I can't get to Canada right now, but it's close. Well, you can get there. You can't go there, but you I can't can, go there, but I can get, get there. there. Exactly. There you, you, <laughs> yes. you can you can touch the. Uh, I was going to say the electrified <laughs> fence, but the Canadians probably <laughs> the Canadians probably put up a fur lined fence, and you know just to be nice, <laughs> just to be nice. But you can contact Annie if you'd like by going to. Uh, uh, motivationbeyondmeasure.com. Annie, A-N-I, at motivationbeyondmeasure.com is her email address. And, uh, you know, we'll be linked to your website as well so people can uh, find out more about you and the work that you're doing and maybe uh, you utilize your services to help them. Now, do you do this on uh, uh, both group as well as individual basis? Yeah, um, we do. And uh, most people actually utilize our certification programs to learn the tools that they need to motivate other people. Very cool. Very cool indeed. Well, I want to thank you again for joining us here on the program, giving us so much time. I do have three final questions that I like to ask all of our guests. Uh, You may have answered them uh, during the program, but I like to ask them directly. But before I do, I have to let our listeners and viewers know you can listen to Tell Me Your Story on AM 1290, the Santa Barbara News Press radio station, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. for the special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And uh, the podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations you folks are reposting us to. We're on YouTube. Tell Me Your Story is the channel name. Tell Me Your Story, just look for the guy with the hat. You can't miss me. And also subscribe. Uh, Gave out a bunch of numbers earlier in the program. I'm excited about them uh, just as far as just having them. It's kind of cool. It's really neat. Uh, But I'm not looking at 100,000 subscribers. That would be nice. But, you know, uh, I used to to deliver the newspaper, but I never subscribed. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) We also want you to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. Spend that time going within. I guarantee you that you will get guidance towards your soul's agenda, helping you to find your soul's agenda. And then uh, if you'd like to support the work that we are doing and these programs resonate with you, you're enjoying them and you'd like to help us to move forward, uh, we would be grateful for any support that you can give us financially. Any amount is welcome. And we have a PayPal and Patreon account for your security as well as ours. Uh, you can always just go to PayPal, and if you want to give, uh, Richard at RichardDugan.com. That's the email address. But the, we have a link on the homepage of RichardDugan.com so that you can uh, you can uh, do just that. And we thank those who have helped and those who will help. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To the final three questions for the program here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Question number one. Who is Annie Anderson? I am someone who's here to feel alive and inspire the aliveness of others, Richard. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? Inner peace for myself and others. And finally, what is, and I'm going to put it in my words here, what is your life's purpose? (laughs) Well, I'm going to answer it differently than my soul's agenda. So I think my soul's agenda is a being state. I'm going to use purpose as more of a mission. Okay. So um, I, my purpose is to help to bring forward um, somatic coaching modalities, to be honest with you, Richard. So somatic means of the body 
And I think that coaching's interesting. It's, it's um, the, the what, did, what did I just read? The most popular profession now other than IT. So it's a very up and coming profession. I think it's one that anybody, no matter who they want to influence and impact in their lives could really benefit from knowing how mm -hmm. to coach. Mm. Um, but my mission is here. My mission here is to bring forward somatic or body centered coaching methods for anybody who wants to learn them so that they can really understand how to help people in body, mind and spirit very simply and effectively. Wonderful. And uh, Annie, I want to again thank you for joining us here on the program and sharing all of your insights about the work that you do as well as yourself. And I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to love.